As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray for illumination. Prepare our hearts, Holy One, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your good and life-giving will. In Christ, amen. Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin diseases approached him. Keeping their distance from him, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, show us mercy. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they left, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus replied, Weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned to praise God except this foreigner. Then Jesus said to him, Get up and go. Your faith has healed you. Holy wisdom, holy word. Let us pray. Holy one, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the minute for mission, Heidi shared about a borderland space and place, a place literally a borderland for many and also figuratively, metaphorically, a place of change and uncertainty, of chaos, of death, and also hope for new life. And transformation is possible in the borderland regions of our lives and in the world, as we experienced with the asylum seekers in Texas. Our gospel story today is also situated in a borderland place. It comes from the part of Luke's gospel known as the travel narrative of Jesus. This is which plots Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, where he will meet his death by crucifixion as an enemy of the state. And his journey is not plotted out geographically or chronologically by Luke, but more so theologically and spiritually, as it picks up on God's plan for Jesus' mission, for his life, death, and resurrection hope. Luke 9.51 reads, as the time drew near for Jesus to be taken up into heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And as he went, he went with a growing awareness of how his earthly journey would end. We can imagine the weight of this on his mind, on his heart, on his soul as he journeyed on, faithfully following after God who created and abided with him, trusting that God's good would unfold, come what may. And as Jesus traveled on, he kept doing what he was called to do. He was teaching and preaching and healing, 
and gathering more followers whose hearts and lives had been transformed by nearness to him, by the love of God that he proclaimed in all he said and did, and by the Spirit's healing through his very touch. We meet Jesus today in this borderland region of Samaria as he travels from Galilee to Jerusalem. And here it may be helpful to recall what is true about this region and about the relationship between Jews and Samaritans. They do not mix. Jews considered Samaritans ritually unclean due to religious and cultural differences. Goodwill between them was non-existent, really. And Jews having to travel to Jerusalem from the north went to great lengths to avoid that territory, to avoid any contact with Samaritans whatsoever, even though it was the shortest route to the city. But this is not so with Jesus. He not only took, did not go the long way around, but he drew near to that region between Galilee and Samaria on that border region. One way to consider who Jesus was in the world then and now is to consider that he came to show us how God wants to be with us. And if that is true, here we learn that God wants to be with all of us, regardless of who humankind deems as unclean, untouchable, unredeemable, or unwelcome. In this borderland region, Jesus encounters 10 people with a skin disease. Seeing him coming, they cry out to him, Jesus, Master, show us your mercy. That they knew his name, and almost seemed to expect his coming, tells us that word about Jesus and his healing and that of his disciples was getting around. It was spreading fast. And in their desperation to receive the same grace of healing, they call out asking for mercy while keeping their distance from him, knowing that they were forbidden to come into contact with other people because of their disease. They had been forced into isolation separated from society, all they knew and love. The nature of their disease made their skin look like that of a corpse. In that culture, contact with the dead was avoided, it was prohibited due to religious codes of cleanliness. These afflicted men were like the walking dead in that community. Physically, due to their being ostracized and also we can imagine emotionally and mentally as well in that isolation. But Jesus does not shrink back. He sees them, he hears them, he responds to their desire, and he tells them to go, to show themselves and their skin to the priests who were the ones who would determine whether they were clean or not, who were the ones who would be able to welcome them back into society. And we are told, as they went, they were healed. This is the borderland region of death, but also transformation and hope for new life. When I think of borderlands in our current global context, the daily and horrific tragedy in Israel, Gaza, and other Palestinian territories comes to mind. It has been 50 days since the brutal attack on Israel by the terrorist organization Hamas. 
which led to a large-scale offensive by Israeli military in the Gaza Strip. We know that over a thousand Israelis lost their lives on that attack on, on October 7. Hundreds, many children were taken hostage by Hamas. We know that thousands and thousands of Palestinians have been killed, many refugees and children, and that that number is growing. Although today, as of this morning, we give thanks for the respite of a ceasefire and the agreement on both sides to release hostages and prisoners, though many more, of course, remain in captivity. Some of us here in our own community have Palestinian friends or relatives right here and also in Palestine and in other places in the world. Some of us have traveled to Palestine. We have shared meals with them. We have heard their borderland stories of death, hopelessness, loss, displacement, generations of occupation, persecution, and now possible genocide. All the while they strive to have hope for a life and a future and a land to call home. And this is painful for those of us who journey with them. We know it is crushing for them and for us as we walk alongside them and grieve with them. Some of us here have friends or relatives of Israeli descent or of Jewish people both here and in Israel and in many parts of the world. We have traveled to their land. We have shared meals with them. We have heard their borderland stories of generations of death, of hopelessness, of loss, of genocide, displacement, and persecution, all the while striving to have some hope for life and a future and a land to call home. This too is painful and it's crushing for them and as we grieve with them and walk with them. Regardless of our own political views, how do we follow the witness of Jesus and walk alongside those in the borderlands of Israel and Palestine where terrorist groups heighten the reality of chaos and danger and death every day? How do we as Christ followers honor the hexiatus of our fellow human family members who are suffering on both sides of this story? Hexiatus is a big Latin word, and it simply means thisness. Pastor Judy Howard Peterson, founding president of Hexiatus Inc., a nonprofit organization that seeks to provide pastoral care and spiritual hospitality for those on the outside of traditional church. She helps us understand what this word means. The thisness of its meaning. And this word itself was given to us by the 13th century Scottish philosopher and theologian, John Duns Scotus, who was noted as one of the most important Christian theologians at that time. 
He introduced this word to us to describe the absolute uniqueness of every living thing. As if to say in Pastor Judy's description, have you seen this one? This one is once in an eternity, irreplaceable, an unrepeatable act of God. And this definition echoes the biblical witness of our own unique individualness. Psalm 139, the psalmist sings, For you, O God, created my inmost being, my very guts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made by you. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we hear, Even the hairs on each of our heads are known and numbered by our Creator, Hexiatus. Pastor Judy once served the traditional church as preacher, pastor, campus chaplain. Hers is a borderland story. Her caring for young LGBTQ plus persons led to a public exit from the church that would not support her ministry and her desire, as she describes it, to pursue a life that would be good news of great joy for all people without exception. Recognizing the hexiety, the divine and utterly loved and accepted uniqueness of every person. Today, Pastor Judy walks alongside and does theology for and ministers to those on the borderlands of church and society, those who are outcast by family, institutions, those unwelcomed, and or those who find no safe haven, haven at home or in their places of worship. Pastor Judy openly shares about her own journey in the borderlands of her faith and her life, her personal loss and grief, her vocational loss. She has lived in the in-between spaces of those who do not understand her and those who do, those who reject her, and those who understand and get her. She has needed to forge a new path and a new homeland. She says, however, in the midst of her borderland experiences, I remain in love with the God whom I have met through the life of Christ. I'm fascinated by chasing after the Spirit and find the tender and prophetic ways that Jesus stood with those marginalized by the world and religion. And I'm trying to make a reasonable run at this myself. She says, we're all wrong, and it's okay because of Jesus. Our gospel story shows us that it is okay because of Jesus. We are finite humans, we won't always get things right. We will find ourselves in our own borderland experiences. But Jesus, showing us how God is and wants to be with us, gives us the gift of understanding hexiety, our uniqueness. I wonder where you find yourself today. Do you have a sense of being at borderlands in your own life? Or perhaps someone you love is in that region of uncertainty, ambiguity, not fully in a place. The past is 
over there, but we're not fully yet in the future. And maybe it's dangerous for us. Maybe we're very aware of death, but we're striving to have hope for something new. Maybe we've been excluded either by someone else's choice or the consequences of our own actions. And whatever it is, we may be powerless to change the, the current circumstance. Maybe we simply feel like we don't fit in. We feel excluded, lost in a foreign territory of grief and loss, the lonely territory that often comes with illness and broken relationships. Where do we go? Returning to the 10 healed people from their skin disease, a critical aspect of this story, as Francisco Garcia, theologian, points out, is that Jesus was not the sole actor in the healing. Here, as in nearly all healing stories in the Gospels, those being healed are not mere receivers of Jesus' healing powers. They are co-participants in their own healing. Healing takes place not by some miracle, but by an act of mutual agency, Garcia says, divinely grounded, leading to authentic human connection, and in this case, in this story, reconnection with their home people as those 10 healed men went back to their towns. The title of the sermon is Thank You. So we remember today that along with a story about healing, about borderland despair leading to hope, our gospel lesson today is a story of gratitude. And as we see, gratitude from an unlikely source. One of those 10 healed men returned to praise God, to thank Jesus for his loving kindness, his presence, and Jesus beaming with love for this foreigner, this Samaritan, a formerly outcast by society, says to him, go, your faith has made you well. And this is a wellness beyond physical healing. In his expressed gratitude, that man knew a new wholeness. And it came with a new intimacy with the God of his understanding, a relationship with a Jesus who led to his healing. And now he returns to enter into new relationships with his community. I wonder how often we experience that those on the margins in the borderlands of life, although they have next to nothing, can often be the happiest and so grateful for the littlest of things. I know those of us who went to the border last month encountered that in these people who have journeyed for weeks and months to find a new home in this country. Such gratitude, such grace, and generosity of spirit as they loved and served one another without question in this respite center. They lived out hope for us. In a quote attributed to Emily Dickinson, hope inspires the good to reveal itself. And when we have gratitude, that means we have hope for something good 
something that has already happened and we hope that more will come, or such faith in our God of goodness that we hope for goodness in the future. And we give thanks for the little sightings of that all along the way, for the graces we experience in our daily life. Hope gives rise to gratitude. Christian mystic Meister Eckhart says, if the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. Friends, this is God's good news for us. Amen.